0: One common faith, forward. At Rizvan 2002, we addressed an open letter to the world's religious leaders. Our action arose out of awareness that the disease of sectarian hatreds, if not decisively checked, threatens harrowing consequences that will leave few areas of the world unaffected. The letter acknowledged with appreciation the achievements of the interfaith movement to which Baha'is have sought to contribute since an early point in the movement's emergence. Nevertheless, we felt we must be forthright in saying that if religious crisis is to be addressed as seriously as it is occurring with respect to other prejudices afflicting humankind, organized religion must find within itself a comparable courage to rise above fixed conceptions inherited from a distant past. Above all, we expressed our conviction that the time has come when religious leadership must face honestly and without further evasion the implications of the truth that God is one and that beyond all diversity of cultural expression and human interpretation, religion is likewise one. It was intimations of this truth that originally inspired the interfaith movement, and that have sustained it through the vicissitudes of the past 100 years. Far from challenging the validity of any of the great revealed faiths, the principle has the capacity to ensure their continuing relevance. In order to exert its influence, however, recognition of this reality must operate at the heart of religious discourse. And it was with this in mind that we felt that our letter should be explicit in articulating it. Response has been encouraging. Baha'i institutions throughout the world ensured that thousands of copies of the document were delivered to influential figures in the major faith communities. While it was perhaps not surprising that the message it contained was dismissed out of hand in a few circles, Baha'is report that in general, they were warmly welcomed. Particularly affecting has been the obvious sincerity of many recipients' distress over the failure of religious institutions to assist humanity in dealing with challenges whose essential nature is spiritual and moral. Discussions have turned readily to the need for fundamental change in the way the believing masses of humankind relate to one another. And in a significant number of instances, those receiving the letter have been moved to reproduce and, re- and distribute to other clerics in their respective traditions we feel hopeful that our initiative may serve as a catalyst opening the way to new understanding of religion's purpose however rapidly or slowly this change occurs the concern of Baha'is must be with their own responsibility in the matter the task of ensuring that his message is engaged by people everywhere is one that Baha'u'llah has laid primarily on the shoulders of those who have recognized him. This, of course, has been the work that the Baha'i community has been pursuing throughout the history of the faith. But the accelerating breakdown in social order calls out desperately for the religious spirit to be freed from the shackles that have so far prevented it from bringing bringing to bear the healing influence of which it is capable. If they are to respond to the need, Baha'is must draw on a deep understanding of the process by which humanity's spiritual life evolves. Baha'u'llah's writings provide insights that can help to elevate discussion of religious issues above sectarian and transient considerations. The responsibility to avail oneself of this spiritual resource is inseparable from the gift of faith itself. Religious fanaticism and hatred, Baha'u'llah warns, are a world devouring fire whose violence none can quench. The hand of divine power can alone deliver mankind from this desolating affliction. Far from feeling unsupported in their efforts to respond, Baha'is will come increasingly to appreciate that the cause they serve represents the arrowhead of an awakening taking place among people everywhere, regardless of religious background and indeed among many with no religious leaning. Reflection on the challenge has prompted us to commission the commentary that follows. One common faith prepared under our supervision Reviews relevant passages for both the writings of Baha'u'llah and the scriptures of other faiths against the background of the contemporary crisis. We commend it to the thoughtful study of the Friends. The Universal House of Justice, Nauru's 2005. One Common Faith. There is every reason for confidence that the period of history now opening will be far more receptive to efforts to spread Bahá'u'lláh's message than was the case in the century just ended. All the signs indicate that a sea change in human consciousness is underway. Early in the 20th century, a materialistic interpretation of reality had consolidated itself so completely as to become the dominant world faith, insofar as the direction of society was concerned. In the process, the civilizing of human nature had been violently wrenched out of the orbit it had followed for millennia. For many in the West, the divine authority that had functioned as the focal center of guidance, however diverse the interpretations of its nature, seemed simply to have dissolved and vanished. In large measure, the individual was left free to maintain whatever relationship he believed connected his life to a world-transcending material existence. But society as a whole proceeded with growing confidence to sever dependence on a conception of the universe that was judged to be at best a fiction and at worst an opiate, in either case inhibiting progress. Humanity had taken its destiny into its own hands. It had solved, through rational experimentation and discourse, so people were given to believe, all of the fundamental issues related to human governance and development. This posture was reinforced by the assumption that the, the values, ideals, and disciplines cultivated over the centuries were now reliably fixed, and enduring features of human nature. They needed merely to be refined by education and reinforced by legislative action. The moral legacy of the past was just that, humanity's indefeasible inheritance, requiring no further religious interventions. Admittedly, undisciplined individuals, groups, or even nations, would continue to threaten the stability of the social order and call for correction. The universal civilization, towards the realization of which all the forces of history had been bearing the human race, however, was irresistibly emerging, inspired by secular conceptions of reality. People's happiness would be the natural result of better health, better food, better education, better living conditions. And the attainment of these unquestionably desirable goals now seem to be within the reach of a, so- of a society single-mindedly focused on their pursuit. Throughout that part of the world where the vast majority of the Earth's population live, facile announcements that God is dead had passed largely unnoticed the experience of the peoples of africa asia latin america and the pacific had long confirmed them in the view not only that human nature is deeply influenced by spiritual forces but, it, but that its very identity is spiritual consequently religion continued and had always been the, as had always been the case to function as the ultimate authority in life. These convictions, while not directly confronted by the ideological revolution taking place in the West, were effectively marginalized by it, insofar as interaction among peoples and nations was concerned. Having penetrated and captured all significant centers of power and information at the global level, dogmatic materialism ensured that no competing voices would retain the ability to challenge projects of worldwide economic exploitation. To the cultural damage already inflicted by two centuries of colonial rule was added an agonizing disjunction between the inner and outer experience of the masses affected, a condition invading virtually all aspects of life. Helpless to exercise any real influence over the shaping of their futures or even to preserve the moral well-being of their children, these populations were plunged into a crisis different from, but in many ways, even more devastating than the one gathering momentum in Europe and North America. Although retaining its central role in consciousness, faith appeared impotent to influence the course of events. As the 20th century approached its close, therefore, nothing seemed less likely than a sudden resurgence of religion as a subject of consuming global importance. Yet that is precisely what has now occurred in the form of a groundswell of anxiety and discontent, much of it still only dimly conscious of the sense of spiritual emptiness that is producing it. Ancient sectarian conflicts, apparently unresponsive to the patient arts of diplomacy, have reemerged with a virulence as great as anything known before. Scriptural themes, miraculous phenomena, and theological dogmas that, until recently, had been dismissed as relics of an age of ignorance, find themselves solemnly, if indiscriminately, explored in influential media. In many lands, religious credentials take on new and compelling significance in the candidature of aspirants to political office. A world which had assumed that with the collapse of the Berlin Wall an age of international peace had dawned is warned that it is in the grip of a war of civilizations Whose defining character is irreconcilable religious antipathies. Bookstores, magazine stands, websites and libraries struggle to satisfy an apparently inexhaustible public appetite for information on religious and spiritual subjects. Perhaps the most insistent factor in producing the change is reluctant recognition that there is no credible replacement for religious belief as a force capable of generating self-discipline and restoring commitment to moral behavior. Beyond the attention that religion, as formally conceived, has begun to command, is a widespread revival of spiritual search, expressed most commonly as an urge to discover a personal identity that transcends the merely physical. The development encourages a multitude of pursuits, both positive and negative in character. On the one hand, the search for justice and the promotion of the cause of international peace tend to have the effect of also arousing new perceptions of the individual's role in society. Similarly, although focused on the mobilization of support for changes in social decision-making, movements like environmentalism and feminism induce a re-examination of people's sense of themselves and of their purpose in life. A reorientation occurring in all the major religious communities is the accelerating migration of believers from traditional branches of the parent faiths to sects that, uh, that attach primary importance to the spiritual search and personal experiences of their members. At the opposite pole, extraterrestrial sightings, self-discovery, regimens, wilderness retreats, charismatic exaltation, various new age enthusiasms, and the consciousness-raising efficacy attributed to narcotics and hallucinogens attract followings far larger and more diverse than anything enjoyed by spiritualism or theosophy at a similar historic- historical turning point a century ago. For a Baha'i, the proliferation even of cults and practices that may arouse aversion in the minds of many serves primarily as a reminder of the insight embodied in the ancient tale of Majnun, who sifted the dust in his search for the beloved Layli. Although aware that she was pure spirit, I seek her everywhere, Happily, somewhere, I shall find her.'" The reawakened interest in religion is clearly far from having reached its peak in either its explicitly religious or its less definable spiritual manifestations. On the contrary, the phenomenon is the product of historical forces that steadily gather momentum, Their common effect is to erode the certainty bequeathed to the world by the 20th century that material existence represents ultimate reality. The most obvious cause of these re-evaluations has been the bankruptcy of the materialistic enterprise itself. For well over a hundred years, the idea of progress was identified with economic development and with its capacity to motivate and shape social improvement. Those differences of of opinion that existed did not challenge this worldview, but only conceptions as to how its goals might best be attained. Its most extreme form, the iron dogma of scientific materialism, sought to reinterpret every aspect of history and human behavior in its own narrow terms. Whatever humanitarian ideals may have inspired some of its early proponents, the universal consequence was to produce regimes of totalitarian control prepared to use any means of coercion in regulating the lives of hapless populations subjected to them. The goal held up as justification of such abuses was the creation of a new kind of society that would ensure not only freedom from want but fulfillment for the human spirit. At the end, after eight decades of mounting folly and brutality, the movement collapsed as a credible guide to the the world's future. Other systems of social experimentation, while repudiating recourse to inhumane methods, nevertheless derived their moral and intellectual thrust from the same limited conception of reality. The view took root that since people were essentially self-interested actors in matters pertaining to their economic well-being, the building of just and prosperous societies could be ensured by one or another scheme of what was described as modernization. The closing decades of the 20th century, however, sagged under a mounting burden of evidence to the contrary. The breakdown of, human, of family life, soaring crime, dysfunctional educational systems, and a catalog of other social pathologies that bring to mind the somber words of Baha'u'llah's warning about the impending condition of, of human society. Such shall be its plight that to disclose it now would not be meet and seemly. The fate of what the world has learned to call social and economic development has left no doubt that not even the most idealistic motives can correct materialism's fundamental flaws. Born in the wake of the chaos of the Second World War, development became by far the largest and most ambitious collective undertaking on which the human race has ever embarked. Its humanitarian motivation matched its enormous material and technological investment. Fifty years later, while acknowledging the impressive benefits development has brought, the enterprise must be adjudged by its own standards. A disheartening failure. Far from narrowing the gap between the well-being of the small segment of the human family who enjoy the benefits of modernity, and the condition of the vast populations mired in hopeless want. The collective effort that began with such high hopes has seen the gap widen into an abyss. Consumer culture, today's inheritor by default of materialism's gospel of human betterment, is unembarrassed by the ephemeral nature of the goals that inspire it. For the small minority of people who can afford them, the benefits it offers are immediate, and the rationale unapologetic. Emboldened by the breakdown of traditional morality, the advance of the new creed is essentially no more than the triumph of animal impulse. As instinctive and blind as appetite, released at long last from the restraints of supernatural sanctions. Its most obvious casualty has been language. Tendencies, once universally castigated as moral failings, mutate into necessities of social progress. Selfishness becomes a prized commercial resource. Falsehood reinvents itself as public information. Perversions of various kinds unabashedly claim the status of civil rights. Under appropriate euphemisms, greed, lust, indolence, pride, even violence, acquire not merely broad acceptance but social and economic value. Ironically, as words have been drained of meaning, so have the very material comforts and acquisitions for which truth has been casually sacrificed. Clearly, materialism's error has lain not in the laudable effort to improve the conditions of life, but in the narrowness of mind and unjustified self-confidence that have defined its mission. The importance both of material prosperity and of the scientific and technological advances necessary to its achievement is a theme that runs through the writings of the Baha'i Faith. As was inevitable from the outset, however, arbitrary efforts to disengage such physical And material well-being from humanity's spiritual and moral development have ended by forfeiting the allegiance of the very populations whose interests a materialistic culture purports to serve. Witness how the world is being afflicted with a fresh calamity every day, Baha'u'llah warns. Its sickness is approaching the stage of utter hopelessness. Inasmuch as the true physician is debarred from administering the remedy whilst unskilled practitioners are regarded with favor and are accorded full freedom to act. In addition to disillusionment with the promises of materialism, a force of change undermining the misconceptions about reality that humanity brought into the 21st century is global integration. At the simplest level, it takes the form of advances in communication technologies that open broad avenues of interaction among the planet's diverse populations. Along with facilitating interpersonal and intersocial exchanges, general access to information has the effect of transmuting the cumulative learning of the ages until recently the preserve of privileged elites into the patrimony of the entire human family without distinction of nation, race, or culture. With all the gross iniquities that global integration perpetuates, indeed intensifies, no informed observer can fail to acknowledge the stimulus to reflection about reality that such changes have produced. With reflection has come a questioning of all established authority, no longer merely that of religion and morality, but also of government, academia, commerce, the media, and increasingly scientific opinion. Apart from technological factors, unification of the planet is exerting other, even more direct effects on thought. It would be impossible to exaggerate, for example, the transformative impact on global consciousness that has resulted from mass travel on an international scale. Greater still have been the consequences of the enormous migrations that the world has witnessed during the century and a half since the Bob declared his mission. Millions of refugees fleeing from persecution have swept like tidal waves back and forth across the European, African, and Asiatic continents particularly. Amid the suffering such turmoil has caused, one perceives the progressive integration of the world's races and cultures as the citizenry of a single global homeland. As a result, people of every background have been exposed to the cultures and norms of others, about whom their forefathers knew little or nothing, exciting a search for meaning that cannot be evaded. It is impossible to imagine How different the history of the past century and a half would have been had any of the leading arbiters of world affairs addressed by Baha'u'llah spared time for reflection on on a conception of reality supported by the moral credentials of its author, moral credentials of the kind they profess to hold in the highest regard. What is unmistakable to a Baha'i is that despite such failure, The transformations announced in Bahá'u'lláh's message are resistlessly accomplishing themselves. Through shared discoveries and shared travails, peoples of diverse cultures are brought face to face with the common humanity, lying just just beneath the surface of imagined differences of identity. Whether stubbornly opposed in some societies, or welcomed elsewhere as a release from meaningless and suffocating limitations. The sense that the Earth's inhabitants are indeed the leaves of one tree is slowly becoming the standard by which humanity's collective efforts are now judged. Loss of faith in the certainties of materialism and the progressive globalizing of human experience reinforce one another in, in the longing they inspire for understanding about the purpose of existence. Basic values are challenged. Parochial attachments are surrendered. Once unthinkable demands are accepted. It is this universal upheaval, Baha'u'llah explains, for which the scriptures of past religions employed the imagery of the day of resurrection. The shout hath been raised, and the people have come forth from their graves and arising are gazing around them. Beneath all of the dislocation and suffering, the process is essentially a spiritual one. The breeze of the all-merciful hath wafted, and the souls have been quickened in the tombs of their bodies. Throughout history, the primary agents of spiritual developments have been the great religions. For the majority of the earth's people, the scriptures of each of these systems of belief have served, in Baha'u'llah's words, as the city of God, a source of knowledge that totally embraces consciousness, one so compelling as to endow the sincere with a new eye, a new ear, a new heart, and a new mind. A vast literature to which all religious cultures have contributed records the experience of transcendence reported by generations of seekers. Down the millennia, the lives of those who responded to intimations of the divine have inspired breathtaking achievements in music, architecture, and the other arts, endlessly replicating the soul's experience for millions of their fellow believers. No other force in existence has been able to elicit from people comparable qualities of heroism, self-sacrifice, and self-discipline. At the social level, the resulting moral principles have repeatedly translated themselves into universal codes of law, regulating and elevating human relationships. Viewed in perspective, the major religions emerge as the primary driving forces of the civilizing process. To argue otherwise is surely to ignore the evidence of history. Why, then, does this immensely rich heritage not serve as the central stage for today's reawakening of spiritual quest? On the periphery, earnest attempts are being made to reformulate the teachings that give rise to the respective faiths in the hope of imbuing them with new appeal. But the greater part of the search for meaning is diffused, individualistic, and incoherent in character. The scriptures have not changed. The moral principles they contain have lost none of their validity. No one who sincerely poses questions to heaven, if he persists, will fail to detect an answering voice in the Psalms, or in the Upanishads. Anyone with some intimation of the reality that transcends this material one will be touched to to the heart by the words in which Jesus or Buddha speaks so intimately of it. The Quran's apocalyptic visions continue to provide compelling assurance to its readers that the realization of justice is central to the divine purpose nor, in their essential features, do the lives of heroes and saints seem any less meaningful than they did when those lives were lived centuries ago. For many religious people, therefore, the most painful aspect of the current crisis of civilization is that the search for truth has not turned with confidence into religion's familiar avenues. The problem is, of course, twofold. The rational soul does not merely occupy a private sphere, but is an active participant in a social order. Although the received truths of the great faiths remain valid, the daily experience of an individual in the 21st century is unimaginably removed from the one that he or she would have known in any of those ages when this guidance was revealed democratic decision making has fundamentally altered the relationship of the individual to authority. With growing confidence and growing success, women justly insist on their right to full equality with men. Revolutions in science and technology change not only the functioning but the conception of society, indeed of existence itself. Universal education and an explosion of new fields of creativity open the way to insights that stimulate social mobility and integration and create opportunities of which the the rule of law encourages the citizen to take full advantage. Stem cell research, nuclear energy, sexual identity, ecological stress, and the use of wealth raise, at the very least, social questions that have no precedent. These and the countless other changes affecting every aspect of human life have brought into being a new world of daily choices for both society and its members. What has not changed is the inescapable requirement of making such choices, whether for better or worse. It is here that the spiritual nature of the contemporary crisis comes into sharpest focus because most of the decisions called for are not merely practical, but moral. In large part, therefore, loss of faith in traditional religion has been an inevitable consequence of failure to discover in it the guidance required to live with modernity successfully and with assurance. A second barrier to a reemergence of inherited systems of belief as the answer to humanity's spiritual yearnings, is the effects already mentioned of global integration. Throughout the planet, people raised in a given religious frame of reference find themselves abruptly thrown into close association with others whose beliefs and practices appear at first glance irreconcilably different from their own. The differences can and often do give rise to defensiveness simmering resentments and open conflict in many cases however the effect is rather to prompt a reconsideration of received doctrine and to encourage efforts at discovering values held in common the support enjoyed by various interfaith activities doubtless owes a great deal to response of this kind among the general public inevitably With such approaches comes a questioning of religious doctrines that inhibit association and understanding. If people whose beliefs appear to be fundamentally different from one's own nevertheless live moral lives that deserve admiration, what is it that makes one's own faith superior to theirs? Alternatively, if all of the great religions share certain basic values in common, Do not sectarian attachments run the risk of merely reinforcing unwanted barriers between an individual and his neighbors? Few today among those who have some degree of objective familiarity with the subjects are likely, therefore, to entertain an illusion that any one of the established religious systems of the past can assume the role of ultimate guide for humankind in the issues of contemporary life, even in the improbable event that its disparate sects should come together for that purpose. Each one of what the world regards as independent religions is set in the mold created by its authoritative scripture and its history. As it cannot refashion its system of belief in a manner to derive legitimacy from the authoritative words of its founder, it likewise cannot adequately answer the multitude of questions posed by social and intellectual evolution. Distressing as this may appear to many, it is no more than an inherent feature of the evolutionary process. Attempts to force a reversal of some kind can lead only to still greater disenchantment with religion itself and exacerbate sectarian conflict.